0: If you have your Bibles, let's open them, please, to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, if you can find the New Testament, it's the fifth book, it's right after the Gospels, Acts chapter number 15. And I hate to say it, but there are many, many, quote, churches in Napa today that will not open a Bible when they have church. It's not about the Bible, it's about politics, it's about opinions and poems and, and things like that. But it's always, what does the Bible say? And that's what Christians ought to be interested in. What does the Bible say? So we're in Acts chapter 16. If you do have a cell phone, if you'd be so kind to turn the game off. And uh, No, it's not on yet, I know, I know it's not. But maybe turn uh, your phone on, vibrate. And if you're a teenager... Take it out of your hands. Let's not not be tempted. And uh, if the Bible is on your phone, that's a different story. I understand. Okay. So here we are. Acts chapter 16. We have the story of a very unlikely man doing a very unlikely deed. And this is the story of Saul of Tarsus. He was the Christian persecutor who held men and women to prison. And tortured them and had them blaspheme and tried to deny the name of Christ. He had them cast into jail and into prison. He hated Jesus Christ. And uh, on a certain day on the road to Damascus, God puts him in the spotlight, shines a light on him. And says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul looks up and says, who art thou? And then he made his own conclusion, Lord, what would thou have me to do? His whole life was changed. And so instead of being the Christian persecutor, Saul, whose name changed to Paul, he became a Christian church planter. And uh, he becomes one of the first missionaries in the Bible. And every city he goes to, he is preaching for Jesus Christ. And so we have a few years into his life here. He ends up, God uses him to heal a fortune teller girl. She's called a damsel uh, who could forth tell. And so uh, he he heals her. And uh, her owner, she was a slave. No longer would they win the Super Bowl bet. No longer would they win the lottery. They realized what they had gained was gone. And so they call Paul and his buddy Silas to the center of town and they beat them. And they said, these guys are different. They don't believe like we do. And let's take up there in the story. I'll read it. Acts 16 and looking down into verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. It was this mob of people. And when they had laid many stripes, or you could say cuts, upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. Sounds pretty painful. Put their feet fast in the stocks. So here they are. You uh, You ever get put down for doing right? You ever get accused of doing wrong when you were just really doing the right thing? Here's here's Paul and Silas. They've left the comforts of home. Uh, They've come to a distant city. All they're doing is telling people how great Jesus is. Now they're beat publicly. This mob mentality, they rip their clothes off. Then they beat them with a whip so there's cuts all over their backs. Then they're grabbed by the jailers and not only put in prison, a little bit different than our prisons today, They didn't have the air conditioning and the college education and the library, cell phones, televisions, that sort of thing. I mean, they were just thrown into that stone cage, into the deepest one. Then they put their feet in stocks so they couldn't uh, move, so they were very painful. What would you do? I'd probably get my dad's black book of hit men I've known. (laughs) Hey, 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 do you owe my dad a favor? No, it's not what they did. They didn't curse the jailer. They didn't call their lawyer, notice what they did. These were different kind of fellows. Verse 25, "And at midnight, it was dark, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. They were unashamed. So I've been in a lot of jails preaching. I've been in a lot of prisons preaching. I've never walked down the hall and said, "Who's that singing in that cell?" I've heard them cussing the, uh, uh, the guards. I've heard them uh, banging with cups, the bars. Never heard them singing. Paul and Silas sang. Praise God. They prayed. Prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, And everyone's bands were loosed. You remember the big earthquake here? When it just felt like a giant picked up your house and shook it. You remember all the doors open. You remember, your refrigerator open, all the cabinets open. I never understood this verse till now. It said, the earthquake shook and every door busted open. And it says, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself because it was going to be instant death if the prisoners escaped. Supposing the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. The guy that beat him and threw him into prison, Paul said, Don't hurt yourself, man. Don't hurt yourself. Wow, what a different spirit, huh? And he called for a light, sprang in, came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas. Now here's the question, most important question, verse 30. And brought them out and said, Sirs, Notice the respect there. He's looking at two prisoners and he's saying, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You'll never get a more important question than that one right there. Saved, what's that Bible verse mean? The word saved in scripture always means saved from eternal hell in judgment in hell. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, so he says, what must I do to be saved? Now, where did he hear that word? Did maybe that jailer hear John the Baptist preach and talk about being saved? Did he maybe hear Jesus Christ preach before he was crucified? Did he, where did he hear that word saved? Maybe it was Paul and Silas singing in prison. If you're saved and you know it, rattle your chains. If you're saved and you know it, rattle the bar. I don't know. But the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? In other words, what he was saying, he was looking at Paul and Silas and said, we have beaten you, we've whipped you, we've put you in stocks, you didn't do anything wrong. What do you have that I don't have? You're singing at midnight. You're praying. Uh, you're happy. What is it you guys have? And so that's what he was saying. Now, I want to say this, what they didn't answer. They didn't say, join the church. Paul and Silas didn't answer him and say, you got to get baptized. They didn't answer him and say, if you quit all your addictions and clean your act up, then you can be saved. That's not what they said. Notice the simple answer, verse 31. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And thy house, how simple. The word believe uh, means to put all your weight on. Like right now, I'm sitting in this chair, picking up my feet, all my weight, hundred and something pounds. None of your business. Hundred and something pounds. I just have heavy shoes, that's it. Hundred and something pounds. I put all my weight on that chair. I trust that it could hold me. Being saved, believe means to put all your weight, all your all your trust that He's gonna save you. He said He would, and He always does. He always does. Years ago, when I was doing the jail services, I only had one sermon because they would rotate the guys out of the cell. They'd be there one week, next week, whole new crop of guys. And so I just had one sermon and this was it. I called it, How to Get Out of Prison. How to Get Out of Prison. I'd I'd stand in front of those guys because I figured that would get their attention. I said, today, fellas, I'm speaking on how to get out of prison. And about that time, the guards there would say, hey, hey. You know, who's this guy? lock and load? Uh, Pastor's going to have a jailbreak or something. You know, there's some people in invisible prisons, and this is just introduction quickly. There's people in prisons of their own makings. And it seems like they just can't get out. Uh, The one who was in prison wasn't Paul and Silas. It was the jailer. The jailer had all this guilt. He was mean. He overdid his job and he was empty inside. So we see here, uh, how would you get out of prison? Well, uh, one, uh, pray. Prayer always helps you get out of those prison bars. Uh, What else? They sang. You know, at church, that's why we sing. You feel better when you're singing and you're talking about the Lord. And then when Paul said, don't jump on that sword, do thyself no harm. Know what Paul was doing? He was apologizing. Uh, excuse me. He was forgiving. Forgiveness lets you out of the cell. Some people are in a cell and they and they can't do it. Why? Why someone hurt them and they're holding on a grudge. They're never gonna get over it. Never gonna forgive. Well, uh, you made your cell. You're gonna have to live in it. And so and and then and, and then Paul led the jailer to Christ. And the Bible says later on here it says uh, that the jailer invited them to his house. And he washed their stripes. He did the best he could to make right what he had done wrong. And it says, and he believed on Jesus Christ and all of his house. That doesn't mean his physical house, but his family. Him, his wife, and all of his children. They all got saved. They accepted Jesus that night in their hearts at midnight. They all walked down to the Napa River, excuse me, the Jordan River, whatever it was there. And they were baptized at midnight. So... I would say this jailer changed. Would you? Amen. Here he is. I mean, he's just invited the inmates to his house. <laughs> uh, one minute, let's throw them in the bottom of the uh, prison. Next minute, would you like to come over for supper? I think my wife's cooking. It's midnight. I just, I just love the story. So here's the message. What changes at salvation? The moment we get saved, what really changes? It's such a great package. Uh, we hear it all the time. So-and-so became a Christian and they changed. Uh, something happened to my son or daughter or mom or dad and they changed. So what really changes when we get saved? Now I'll say this. Sometimes it is a dramatic change. I mean, it's dramatic. It's like what has happened to you? I mean, two weeks ago, here's who you were. And this week, you are not the same person. And Jesus sometimes dramatically changes quickly people's lives. I think, I think of the maniac of Gadara. He lived in the cemeteries. He cut himself for pain. He was screaming. He was naked. He had uh, been held in chains and just a wild man. And When he accepted Christ, he was sitting in his right mind and clothed. What a change. I think of uh, uh, Paul the Apostle. We talked about him. I think of John Newton He ran a slave ship picking up slaves from Africa. Half of his cargo would not even be alive when he delivered them. That's what he did for a living. And God saved that man. And he wrote the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, That Saved a Wretch Like Me. Turned out he became a Baptist pastor of a church in the New England states. God changed him. I think of my dad, you've heard the story, won't go into it, a life of crime into a respected church member. Only God can do that. I think of Carl Hatch, Pontiac, Michigan area, sleeping in the back seat of a car with his wife. Snow is blowing in a broken window, it's winter time. She said, Carl, is this all there is? He said, this is all there is. And God saved that man. Turn him into one of the greatest soul-winning evangelists our nation has ever seen. He's in heaven now. And we could go on and on and on. I think of Keith Gomez, the brawler. Drop of a hat, he'd be in a fight with you. In fact, if you didn't even own a hat, he'd whip you. (laughs) Who would ever thought he'd be a pastor and start a Bible college in Elgin, Illinois? A Cajun boy. What happened? God is in the changing business. Now, I want to say this, and I'll give you some thoughts, and we'll go home. God loves you just the way you are, but refuses to leave you that way. He's in the remodeling business. He'll pay for your sins by his blood on the cross. He'll buy you, but when he opens the door, he's got all kinds of plans of what he's gonna change. And you don't have to change. He'll do that changing for you. And so, just wanna Just describe the package just for a moment. So today on the property, if someone says, Pastor, I know I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe Jesus was God. He died in my place, shed his blood, paid for my sins, rose again. And then I believe that if all I have to do is receive him as a gift, and I want to do that, if you'll do that today, anyone that does that today, there's immediately a lot of things that happens that you don't see. And I want to give them to you. Number one, your name is written in heaven. God says, rejoice not that the devils are subject unto you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. You know, God's got a good handwriting. If I wrote the book of life, half of you wouldn't even go to heaven. It'd be, Who's that? I don't know. Kick him out. He's got a good handwriting. Our name is in heaven. I love that. Number two, our spirit becomes alive. You wonder why most of Napa is not in church today? Did you, did you see the freeways packed with cars today? Did you see the neighborhood? You couldn't even get out of your driveway. So many cars leaving for church this morning. I'll tell you why they didn't. Because their spirit is not alive. It doesn't mean if you don't go to church, you're not safe. that's That's not what I'm saying. But our spirit is dead. We are dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2 1 says, You have the quickened or made alive. What happens? The Spirit comes alive. There's something inside of us that all of a sudden wants God, that wants to know Him, wants to know this book, wants to be around God's children. There's something that changes. You start getting new appetites and new wants inside of you. Why? Because you're alive. A living person acts differently than a dead person. That's deep. Write that down, would you? Okay, I never knew that before, Pastor. Number three, Jesus and the Holy Spirit move inside of you. We sing that song, since Jesus came into my heart. The Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit, what? No, you're not. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. What's that mean? God himself doesn't just stay up in heaven but he moves inside of your body. He goes everywhere you go. You're never alone. He's your comfort. He's your friend. He never leaves you. You never have to go through anything by yourself. He moves in quickly. Jesus begins interceding for you. Uh, you, ever, you ever maybe get in trouble and someone said, wait, way, let me explain this to the principal. Okay, now here's what's going, and maybe they, they interceded on your behalf. No? Okay, forget it. I know, that's why I got expelled. And so, but at this moment, Jesus is looking at God the Father saying, Father, I lived 33 years on that planet. It's hard. Let me tell you, give him a break. Help him a little bit. Let's give him some grace. Uh, Let's forgive him right now. It's difficult, Father. He he is interceding for you. Here's another one. The moment you got saved, you received Jesus' uh, record. Right now, some of you may have a record in the court systems. Uh, maybe you have a record of uh, 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 tickets. Maybe maybe you're wanted, or uh, uh, maybe in the past, you know, I had a rap sheet or I had a record. Guess what? Jesus' record is perfect. He never sinned, never ever sinned. His record, his heart was clean. Get this: our record, oh, all the sins. Uh, Lying, cheating, I mean, you name verbal sins, mental sins, attitude sins, sexual sins, you name the sins, God has seen all of our sins. The moment Jesus died on the cross, your sins, and my sins got nailed to the cross. And Jesus said, it is finished. He paid it all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. But the moment we receive Christ, his record, his perfect record, became your record. You know what that means? Every time God looks at a child of God, he says, I don't see any sins. What sins are you talking about? All I see is my son's record, perfection. Look at this. It's called an imputed righteousness. Put God put his righteousness as your record. I love that. So it's not only we're forgiven, but God has forgotten all of our sins. It's out of his memory. Okay, let's keep going here. So here's the package. We got Jesus' record. Well, back up. We were on a church fishing trip. You say, well, why, why is a church fishing trip better? Because when you catch the fish, they're already baptized. So it's just a special blessing. So anyway... So we have the fish. We're going through the line in customs. All our frozen fish. We're about to make it on the plane. Come back to America. And uh, I I scanned my passport. And if you've ever seen this passport, uh, you uh, go over here in this booth. We need to talk to you. I said, who? They said, you. They pointed at me. I said, okay, Brother Andy Lugo's with our group. If you knew him, you'd understand this story. He said, pastor, I'll make sure the fish get back to America. He goes through the line. They're heading to the plane. I mean, I'm in the passport thing. And they said, now, have you ever been to Monterey, Mexico? I said, yeah, to a group of seniors there one time. and Well, there's a guy with your name wanted for kidnapping. I said, well, I never kidnapped. I mean, I got five kids. That's enough. And uh, you know, so they they went through it. Okay, last call. You know, I think I, why? Because they got our records mixed up. You know what? God never gets our records mixed up. Gone, gone, gone. Our sins are gone. I love that. In the depths of the sea of God's forgetfulness, it's good enough for me. As far as the east is, from the west, and they never meet. I love it. God's got a great eraser. Forgiven. Our sins are forgotten. Quickly here. uh, The promise of a new body. The moment you accept Christ and get saved, God says, I'm promising you, you get a brand new upgraded version of a body one day. The whole book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 deals with our new body, how powerful, how it's going to shine, how it'll be perfect, never grows old, no crow's feet and all that kind of stuff. I don't know about you, but mine's wearing out. Got metal in my neck, metal in my knee. When I get on a plane, I have to say, I got to do the metal detector. Why? I got here, here, here. Man, I got it all over now. Falling apart. When my dad was 80, he, he was moaning. I said, Dad, what are you moaning? He said, you wait till you're 80. Everything will hurt. You heard about that lady. God looked down and she was dying. And she goes, oh, God, I had not finished my life. Please, please give me some more time. He said, all right, I'll give you 10 more years. Well, she is so excited about that. She started working out at the gym, got in real nice shape. And she, she, she got her teeth all fixed did the implants, and uh, uh, dyed her hair, and a new makeup job, face, face lift, got the got the eyebrow in the in the in the eyebrow and the wax. And I mean, she looked great. Two months later, she died. She came all the way up to heaven. She said, "Lord, you said I had ten more years." He said, "Oh, was that you?" So up in heaven, we're getting a new body. We're going to look good. Right now, some of you look good. Some of you, your best years are behind you. I'm just being honest. (laughs) Good was in the past. (laughs) Tell us how good you look, huh? Show us the picture. But up in heaven, young again. Never have to do your hair. Never have to put the makeup on. It'll be permanent beauty every tooth in order, every uh, teeth are white. God says, you're going to get it the moment you walk through the pearly gates. we got a bunch of our church members, you wouldn't even recognize them now. They've, they've, they've walked through the pearly gates and they're young again. And That's how we'll see them. So what I'm trying to say is, if you're old, you're not going to be old for all eternity if you die. You get a young new body quickly here. That's the first time I got some of your attention in a long time. Turn your hearing aids off, go back to sleep. <laughs> Quickly, no hell. Luke 16, Amen. the most horrible chapter in the Bible describing all the details of hell. The moment you got saved, God says, hey, shoo, no hell Amen. for you. Amen. John 3 16, shall have everlasting life. Well, Pastor, what if you mess up after you? Not if, when? Well, if you mess up and sin after you get saved, it's uh, uh, no—you will mess up, you will sin, you will not be perfect. He says it's for keeps. You didn't do anything to earn it. You don't do anything to keep it. You can't lose it. Well, what about no? No, it it, it doesn't matter. It's not a license to sin. You'll want to sin less. You will not be sin less. We must hasten. People on the internet are saying, "Hurry up! Wrap it up (laughs) quickly." The rapture is your hope. The Bible says one day a trumpet will sound. This is only for the people that are saved. The dead bodies in Christ, our loved ones who've been buried, they'll rise. Join their new body in heaven. Then we which are alive and remain. If you're alive at the rapture, you skip the casket, you skip the cemetery, you skip death, you just go straight up. That's what I want. I don't want to die. I want to be alive during the rapture. And I believe I will be. Do you read the newspaper? Do you look at the news? You think Jesus is going to come in 500 more years? Looks like it's pretty soon, doesn't it? I don't know how soon. I can't set the date. But the promise for the child of God, the moment you got saved, God says, I promise you're going up at the rapture. Here's another one. A home in heaven. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. Some of you don't own a house here in Napa. Maybe you'll never own a house in California. But the moment you got saved, you became a homeowner. (laughs) A homeowner. And you'll get to see it one day. Not only that, but the fruit of the Spirit is now a possibility. The moment a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit says, I'll have all this fruit grow in you if you'll yield to me. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control, peace, all these things, I'll let it grow and be who you are if you'll let it. An unsaved person can't have that. Only a saved person, and it comes naturally through the Holy Spirit of God. This too, we must hasten. God starts hearing your prayers. He said, well, Pastor, I thought he answered, uh, he heard everybody's prayer. He can't hear it, but he's not obligated to answer it. Your mothers know what I'm talking about. If there's a park, your kids are outside playing, and you hear one of them scream, you know it's your kid. You're going to run to your kid. You're not running to everybody else's kid first. And so the moment you got saved, God up in heaven says, hey, I'll start hearing your prayers now. The first prayer he promises to answer is the prayer of salvation. But then he starts hearing our prayers quickly. Romans 8, 28 becomes yours. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who were the called according to his purpose. God says, I'll make that your promise now. Everything you go through will work together for your good. After you're saved, God says, that's my promise for you. Here's another one, and I love this. The moment you got saved, you got adopted into God's family. Born into his family And adopted at the same time. I was at my dad's funeral six years ago. And I would heard through the grapevine through my brother. He said, I believe we have a half-sister. I said, do what? I think dad was unfaithful to mom. I believe we have a half-sister. And so he started communicating with her and sent me a picture. I said, looks just like you and me. Because she is from our dad. So the first time I met her was at my dad's funeral. Never seen her. Walked over to her, hugged her, kissed her on the cheek. I said, you must be Tammy, my half-sister. She said, I believe I am. So I had a sister I'd never met. You know, there's a lot of brothers and sisters around the world that we've not met yet. But they're a part of our family. And we're going to spend eternity with those people some of you that didn't have large families. Maybe you were adopted. Maybe uh, you were abandoned and, and didn't have really much family. You couldn't say, I've got a family to go home to for holidays. You will one day. The biggest family in the world, God's family. Uh, you may know, and, and I could sing the song, but I'm not. What else? The Bible becomes alive. You ever hear someone say, I just can't understand this Bible. Too many these and now, these and now, these. Uh, look, look at that. You know, if you read the newspaper like you read the Bible, no wonder you don't understand the Bible. You don't just do this and then do this. Try that with a love letter. I've always threw up. What? (laughs) It's a love letter. God loves you. He says, now it makes sense. You won't understand every verse, every word, but there's enough of it. If you read it, you'll say, this is for me. This is for me. God's helping me. This will help me. The book becomes yours. We must hasten. The will of God comes into play. God's will comes into play. The moment you got saved, God says, I got a plan for your life now. I got a plan. It may be preach. It may be teach. It may be you drive a bus. It may be, but God's got a plan. I must hasten. I don't like this one, but you want to hear it anyway? Go back to sleep. (laughs) The moment you got saved, God promises. Here's part of the package. I will correct you. I will correct you. It's called chastening in the Bible. How come? Because God wants you to be happy, wants you to be successful. He says, the moment you get saved, I promise as a father, I'm going to correct you if you need it. I'll give you the last two. We're out of here. I do like this one. The angels start being involved in your life. We would call them guardian angels. You ever have a time in your life, you probably should have died or been killed. And you said, it's it's a miracle. I'm still alive. Anybody had a time like that? And you kind of wonder, how did that happen? I don't know if I've told this. I, I was working late hours in college. Four lane highway. I'm going across the bridge. I fell asleep. Way into the night, heading, heading back to the college. I fell asleep. My car swerved into the oncoming traffic. And then I heard, you know, I heard a horn. I looked up. Car coming straight for me. I swerved. That was probably some angels on duty moving that car. I don't know why I didn't get hit head on. It moved my car. I never got hit. I'm sure the Lord is very busy keeping some of us out of trouble and keeping us safe. And that all happens. The moment you get saved, the angels begin being active in your life. And then I'll close with this. Watch is on, means nothing, but here it is. The moment you get saved, a heavenly host of witnesses start seeing your life. That's in Hebrews 12.1. What's that mean? The moment you get saved and you're a child of God, the people in heaven that know you start watching. See, we watch television. We watch sports. They watch people. Who do you have watching you right now? Some of you have children. I got parents. We got church members. We've got brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, friends. What are they doing? They're watching. That's one of them texting right now. He must be at a rock concert up in heaven or something. I don't don't know where he is. Just want to say today, folks, if you're not saved, get in on it. It's a package. It's the greatest package in the world. And the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. and Thou shalt be saved, not only you, but your whole family, your whole house. And that's the goal of life. God loves you very, very much. You'll never know how much He's planning for you to get up there.